We're going to begin this morning with Psalm 135. Psalm 135, beginning with verse 13. It says, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all the ages. For the Lord will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants. That is a powerful verse. You know, as we many times, and I've read through the Bible a number of times, and, and I read through verses that you you kind of just read through them. You don't you don't spend a lot of time meditating on them. And this morning, I was just reading through my notes and meditating on those notes, and I read that verse, and I just I kept reading that one over and over again. For the Lord will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants. It's powerful. Meditate on that yourself. It just, it's amazing to think that God is moving on our behalf, even when it doesn't seem like it. Verse 15, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. Wow. So do all who trust in them. Father, we come before you this morning, and I thank you, Lord, that you do have eyes that see, and you have ears that hear, and you have a mouth that speaks, and the breath, your very breath, gave us life, life everlasting. Father, we come before you this morning to worship you, the living, the living, true God. And Father, we lift up this morning, and Lord, before we even start, we commit it unto you. Because our desire, Father, is to worship you in spirit and in truth, and we can't do that without you, without your Holy Spirit leading us. So this morning, I pray, Father, that it's not just a a song service, that it's not just an interesting word. But Lord, that it's an actual meeting with you, the living, true God, and that every heart is touched, every body is healed, every mind, that the questions that are are swirling in us are answered. Father, thank you that you are the living, true God, and that your heart and your mind and your your ears are, are towards us, your people, your your loved ones. So, Father, this morning, put the words in our mouth. Put the the expression in our heart. Thank you, Father God, for your life in us. In Jesus' name, amen. And, Father, we do thank you for that ransom. Thank you for the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for life everlasting, being paid for once and for all, for the fullness of sin was dealt with that day. And Father, open the eyes of our understanding. Open the eyes of those around us, for the the community around us, the region around us, the, the nation around us, the world. Open the eyes for that so that they can see truth and they can hear truth and that they can make a decision for Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that as we lift up the name of Jesus, that all men will be drawn unto you. Father, I pray for salvation to be poured out in this area. Father, I pray for healing and for provision, for blessings to be poured out in this area for the glory of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that the name of Jesus be lifted high in every area of our society, every area of our community, area, every area of our lives, as a witness of your goodness, your mercy, and your love. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. At this time, Pastor Karen has a, a special part of the service graduating the sixth graders correct from sixth grade to junior high 
to youth group. No, no, no. Here. Is this on? Okay. Well, of course it is. Well, it didn't sound like it was at first. Okay, this is the bittersweet part of the ministry. Most of these kids have been in, in just elementary class for six years, so it's like losing your kid to go to college or something, you know? They need to grow and keep going on, but it's like a new chapter and you're losing kind of touch with them a little bit. However, unlike um, other ministries in this church, I have my kids on a bungee cord, so they always keep coming back to children's ministry and you'll find out as I uh, share with you how many of them are actually going to be working in children's ministry, which is cool. So uh, Peter never really let go of them. Okay, I, you know, They're just always there with me. So if I could have all the sixth graders officially that are seventh graders, but I call them sixth graders till I tell them that they are seventh graders, okay? They're sixth graders in May, come on, or June, or whatever their last day of school. As In their mind, they're sixth graders, but they tolerate me calling them seventh graders or sixth graders all summer long. Why don't you stand? Uh, don't stand behind a pulpit. Well, I guess you're all taller then. You're all tall enough to stand behind the pulpit. Rachel, I won't put you on stage, honey. Why don't you come on up? Please. Come on, you were on the play and you were on the stage and you did an awesome job. Okay. She's a little shy. Not really because she sings in front of the kids at camp and she's bold. And But that's okay, honey. We will graduate you anyway, even if you don't come up here. We're not that way. So not everybody wants to come up in the front. Oh, Dad, look at that. Dad, what a dad. Way to go, Dad. <laughs> okay. And this doesn't hurt too much, hon. Okay. These guys have been awesome. I'm going to miss them. It's a big hole. Uh, we had lots of them graduating this year and uh, not quite as many coming in. So, uh, But they've been very active, been on worship team, usher team. They've been in the Christmas programs with leading roles. And so we're going to miss you guys. Some of you guys will be coming back into work, so I'll still see you. But um, we're, you guys have, um, you've... You've added a lot to our group, and you're going to... You would be cool. Okay. Um, Caleb Cargill is graduating, but he also didn't want to come up, so... No, no offense. We'll give you your Bible anyway. We don't, we don't treat people that way. Okay. <laughs> um, the other one that isn't here is Hannah Mattingly, and she's actually going to be working in our nursery. So we recruited her. And Rachel is actually going to be working in our nursery, too. Here you go, honey. Thank you for coming up. Good job. She has a beautiful voice. Just uh, We only hear it at camp because that's where she feels really comfortable, but she has a very beautiful voice. Maybe someday we can get her to sing in front of everyone here. Riley is going to be working with his grandmother in the pre-K, or not pre-K, beginner's class, two- and three-year-olds, so... Riley, help Grandma out. She's been waiting for that. And Beth is going to be working with us in elementary. Um, and she's also going to stay on the worship team, so she's going to be doing two things for us. Awesome. Last but not least, of course, is Jaden. I guess I don't need to look, do I? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> He's going to be working with us in uh, elementary class also and staying with the worship team. And you might think, well, how can they work with the age that's just a year younger than? And I kind of did that with two of our other ones, Mark and Shiloh. And it's great because you got six years to get them trained in and and uh, get to know the ropes. So it seems a little young maybe to start working with the elementary when they're just a year older than, but it worked really well with uh, Shiloh and Mark, so I'm going to try it again. Hopefully it'll work just as well. I'm going to pray with you guys and then officially turn you over. To Peter. And he's, he. What do you mean, yes? You're still going to be with me twice a month, honey, and I'm going to be over you, so. He's my grandson, for those that don't know. I don't, I don't treat everybody that way. Thank goodness they all say, huh? Okay, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you um, for this awesome group of young people. Lord, I thank you for all their talents and their giftings. 
Uh, most of all, though, Father, for their heart that they have for you. God, that's more important than anything else. Father, for the zeal that they have for you. And Father, I thank you that just increases as they plug into the youth ministry of this church and, and um, begin a new chapter of their lives with youth. That, Father, that uh, love for you will never fade, will never uh, fade away, Father. It just will grow stronger and stronger. And Lord, as they begin to feel more comfortable in with the youth, Father, they'll uh, be able to let their own light shine within that group, and and the rest of the group will be able to see who they really are and how much fun they are, but how much they love you also. So I thank you for the plans and the purposes, the good plans that you have for each one of these as they continue on uh, in their walk with you. And we just pray a blessing over each one of them and their family. I thank you for each one of them willing to work now as serving in children's ministry. After being in it for so many years, Lord, they're now willing to give back until uh, the other children. And I thank you for that. And all God's children shouted. God, my kids are louder than that back there, and there's only 15. All God's children shouted. Amen. Amen. Now, Peter, where are you? Oh, there you are, right behind. Jeez, I didn't know you were that close to me. I would have been a little more careful what I said. <laughs> they are officially yours. All right. Well, I just want to pray over them as well. And why don't you guys all reach out your hands and uh, just pray with me and agree with me and bless them. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we just pray for this uh, group of youth as they're, as they're coming into youth group. Father, that you would, uh, you would lead them and guide them with your Holy Spirit, that you would uh, fill them with your Spirit and guide them and uh, teach them all spiritual wisdom and understanding, Lord God. We just uh, pray for the journey, for the life that's ahead of them, for the, for the fullness, for the full measure of the your plan lord god your purpose in each of their lives that that you have for them that they would be able to walk in it and this this coming season they would be able to grow that they would be a good and fertile soil and your word would uh change their lives lord god we just uh speak life over them we just speak uh wisdom and understanding over them in Jesus' name, and we and we welcome into, welcome them into our youth group. In Jesus' name, Amen. And let's uh, let's give these guys a big hand, shall we? All the all the other children, you're dismissed. Thank you so much for being here. It's good to see growth, amen? Good to see our kids grow up. It's good to see them grow into the men and women that God's called them to be. And, uh, and uh, just, just for public, and I'll say it here in front of her and everything, we really love Pastor Karen and all that she does for our kids. Give her a big round of applause. That's the one nice thing I have to say about her every year, so... Uh... There, check that one off. We're good. No, we, I really am. She, I, I am not kidding. She is, uh, she is probably the best children's minister I've ever seen. Bar none. All right. Uh, ushers, time to receive the offering this morning. Ushers have offering envelopes. Take one if you desire. Give as the Lord leads. I'm going to read to you Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 15. And it says, so the wall was finished. Okay, that was all right. That was good. I see, I see what she means by, you know, there's not a lot of behind it this morning. Let's try that again. So I, I'm sure when they finished the wall, people were just excited. So let's try this again. So the wall was finished. There you go. On the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days... That's another one of those verses that if you just skip over it, it's not that big a de deal. But let's read it again. So I don't have to cheer this time. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. What is, what is so significant about 52 days? What's significant about it is that they said it, that it's impossible to rebuild the wall. 
They said there was no way that they could rebuild the wall. They said there was no way that these people could rebuild the wall. They weren't builders. They were slaves. And they were slaves, not probably not in the construction of anything in Babylon, but they were, they were slaves and working in different places, so on and so forth, and they came back to build the wall, to rebuild the wall and to rebuild the temple. And when they did that, they did it in a, against all odds. They were told, this cannot be done. And they were told by the local uh, anti-Israelites, uh, they were told, you won't build the wall. We won't let you build the wall. It's impossible. You might as well stop now. You might as well quit. And even after, and I'm not going to read it today, but even after they finished the wall, the local people didn't like it. And they came against them anyway. So against all odds, they built it in 52 days. That was a miracle of God. Verse 16 says, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. People could tell that it wasn't by their own hand. It wasn't because they were smart. It wasn't because they were great. But it was because God helped them every step of the way. It's the way, only way anything happens. The only way, the only way that anyone succeeds and, and progresses and moves forward and builds or, or accomplishes anything is by the hand of God. Anything that's worth anything, especially in a world that's against you. And so as we're continuing to, to plan and to raise money for the building, um, I don't even know where we're at now. Where, where's, do you know what the... It's at $9,000. We're at $9,000 uh, raised towards the building. Praise God. That's exciting. That's, that's during a summer when the economy and the world's completely falling apart. And everybody says, this is impossible. Why would you try to do this now? Why? Because God led us to do it, is leading us to do it. And it's going to be by the hand of God. So just remember what our goals are, is that the whole cost of the whole project is going to be $300,000 for four new classrooms. There's going to be a hallway and some other things that we have to do. But it's going to be $300,000. At $200,000, we start to break ground. We start to break ground and move forward, and we're going to see the rest come in even faster. Amen? And so we just that is our goal. That's where we're headed. And we build it as soon as we possibly can. But we're also going to... That's a donor. That's a very important first call right there. Tell them to write their check to River Valley Christian Church. It's now a good time. Everybody pull out your phones real quick. <laughs> down button. Down. All right. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray and we'll receive the offering. Father, we do thank you. Lord, thank you for laughter. Thank you for joy. And it's in joy that we're going to build. It's in joy and, re and re rejoicing that we'll do this because it's not by our hand, but it's by yours. I thank you for all $300,000 coming in quickly and being built quickly in Jesus' name. Because we, we need it quickly. We need it soon. Father, thank you for all the things that are going on, all the good things, all the progress, all the blessings. Father, thank you for helping our softball team win a game this year. Glory to God. <laughs> Miracles do happen. Glory to God. But Lord, I thank you for you and for your word. I thank you that it's your word that gives light in this dark world. Thank you for your word. And Lord, as we open up your word this morning, as we work, open up not only the written word, but also the, the, the spiritual word, the revelation word of your, of your gospels, that we will, we will know you better, we'll understand you better, we'll, we'll be able to serve you better according to your plan and purpose for this world. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be back. I missed last week. Uh, we were up at the Boundary Waters with the youth group, with some of the youth group. Had a fantastic time. Thank you for your prayers. It was, uh, even though it rained uh, consistently all day one day, it was nice. I just sat in a tent and just watched, just had a cup of coffee and prayed. It was wonderful. I, you know, something about that. Um, but we had a wonderful time last weekend, and praise God, thank you, Vern, for ministering last Sunday. I heard tons of good things about that. Praise God. It's good to have qualified, uh, seasoned, uh, anointed ministers, and, and, and everybody who's filled in for me this summer has been fantastic, and just thank you so much. Turn with me to Matthew 
chapter 24. This phrase continues to just be in my heart that this is a summer of preparation. A summer of preparation. Preparation for what? That's a good question. What are we preparing for? You know, it's easy to fall into the the day-to-day drag. It's it's the day-to-day have to, the day-to-day must do uh, as we go through our lives. But there is a plan and a purpose. There is a reason that you're on this earth today. There's a reason that you are who you are and that you live where you live and that you work where you work and you you spend time with the people uh, that you're actually with. You're there as salt and light. You're there to be an answer in the middle of what's happening around you. And God is moving towards a culmination. We're moving towards the end. You know, a couple of weeks ago I said I'm going to be, I was preaching on end times and I don't like to speak, to preach on end times. The, the classical end times, uh, type sermons. You know, that, well, Magog and Gog, they're going to join up and there's going to be a this and that and this and that. I know it's going to happen on this date because of these, blah, blah, blah. We don't know anything. I can say with great confidence, there's an end. There's an end. Yeah. That I will stand on. Yes, that I can go way out on a limb on that one. He says, "You know, you just we're, 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 I can guarantee you there's an end. There is there is going to be an end of all this, all the world that we see. The the it, it says it's going to go it pass away in a roar. It's going to the old is going to pass away, and a new earth is going to be is going to be created, and a new heavens and everything like that. We know that's going to happen. It's right there in the word." But how it happens specifically and when it happens, none of us have any idea. The experts don't have any idea. We don't know. But it says that we'll know the signs of the times. Now, we look at the world around us. And we go, it can't get much worse than this. But it's funny, isn't it? I didn't live during World War II. My dad used to tell me stories of, of sitting next to the radio, you know, one of those round to have, you know, the family gathered around the radio listening to Roosevelt's address about Pearl Harbor. He, they heard firsthand that address. And he said he was scared to death. They were all scared to death. We were being invaded. There's always been bad times. There's always been hard times. I mean, you can't, you can't tell a, a Russian believer that they didn't go through persecution. We have friends that, that are in, were in Belarus and, and other places around the Iron Curtain. And, and when the stories they told, they were under, always under duress. They were always fear for their life, for that, for being thrown into prison and so on and so forth. The world has always been full of evil. What matters in these end times is how we walk it out. It matters how we live our lives. And the, and the message and the, the, uh, the, the, the way that we present ourselves and the gospel and the kingdom of God to those that are around us, that's what matters. How do we do that? Now there will be the end time, whenever that is. For everybody in the room, there's going to be an end time. This end, this will end. Then you'll stand before him, be judged, and then spend eternity with him or not. It's up to you, your decision. But it will end. How do we live our life now? There's something that's been on my heart, and as this week, as I was praying, and I asked the prayer team on Wednesday to, and I read them these verses, and I said, please pray about this because this is key. This is absolutely key. I've even, you know, I really hesitate to ever say things like what I'm about to say, other than I believe it's the truth. There are there are many sermons that sermons that are so important. They're really things you need to hear to help us to 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 get our, you know, be walking in such a way that's right before the Lord. But I want to tell you this morning, to me, it just I keep sensing it deeper and deeper that this morning is one of those sermons you have to hear. You have to hear this. And not only just hear it with your ears, but hear it with your heart. 
Hear it with your spirit. Hear it the, the way the Holy Spirit is saying it because it is absolutely vital to the days ahead walking this out. We can't live correctly without doing what I'm about to share rightly. Because we can do all the other stuff. We can do everything on the outside right, but if we're not doing it right on the inside, we're going to miss it. And we're doing it for the wrong reason, and you might as well not. So turn with me to Matthew 24. Jesus had come from the temple, and he had told them that uh, the temple was going to be torn down, going to be destroyed, that the end was going to come. He basically, in, in the verses previous to this, he, he prophesied 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of, of the temple. And the disciples got him alone and they started asking questions. Matthew 24, beginning with verse 3. It says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead you astray, or they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. It's kind of hard to wake up Saturday morning or going to bed Friday night hearing about a coup in Turkey and not be alarmed. I mean, if, you're, if you watch the news at all, if you listen to what's happening, was it Thursday night was the Nice attack? Or was that Friday night? It all, it all runs together. Thursday. Friday was the, the coup in Turkey. I mean, these are major events. If, if Turkey, just the, off the sermon for a second, but if Turkey goes radical Muslim, that is a pivotal place in the Middle East. Normally, they would have been a deterrent against any attack on Israel. But if they, are, if they go radical Muslim now, and that's what seems to be the direction, that's why the military did the coup, was to stop the, the president from inching towards radical Muslim. If they head in that direction, there'll be nothing in that region alone to stop the haters of Israel from marching. This is, this is huge. No, I'm not saying, this is it, guys. Because I don't know. I mean, I was, I was around in the 70s when Lebanon was gearing up to move into Israel. Remember that, folks, everybody? And everybody said, that's it. We're done. The, the end is coming. Practice. <laughs> and as a, young, as a young kid, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to drive. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's interesting. It's exciting. Not exciting and I can hardly wait for it to happen. It's, it's exciting that we're living in a time when, when, I'm telling you, when it starts getting bad, really bad, people want answers. But it's not supposed to bother us. It's not supposed to concern us. Concern us. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Ooh. There's been famines and earthquakes all for a long time. They're getting to be more and more. It's exciting. But I remember how many years ago was it that they said, that's it, they're, they're multiplying every year. Well, okay. It's the birth pains. Congratulations to Dawn Letourneau on the Dawn and Alex on the birth of their baby. She was in labor for three days. <laughs> My goodness. Talk about birth pains that just like, you know, keep oh, God bless you women. God bless you. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my sake. That's been happening to Christians for decades, folks. 
That's been happening to Christians for centuries. This stuff is not new. It's not just for our time. It just it's it's it seems very prevalent right now because we're living in it. But it's been happening for a long time. It doesn't matter when you live. Times have been tough. But how are we supposed to live? That, that, that is the question. Verse 10. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 12. This is the one you want to underline. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And because of lawlessness, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We talked about lawlessness a couple of weeks ago. Lawlessness is the part that's concerning me. I mean, during the 60s, and I only watched it on television. I, I used to, this, you know, I'm, I was weird. In the 60s, I was under 10 years old. But I used to watch the news every night with my dad. I'd always sit next to my dad and I'd watch the news. So when I got into high school and college, I was, the, I was that geek, you know, that always, whenever they started asking questions about history, I was like, ooh, ooh, I know that. I remember that. I, I saw all the, 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 the nightly, the thing that you don't, I mean, even during the Iraq war, you didn't see this. Do you remember the, the nightly totals of deaths, wounded, missing in action? We, night after night after night, week after week after month after month after year, there was the nightly totals. It was almost like a scoreboard. And as a young kid, it, I mean, that affected me. We live in a world that's falling apart. And, and even then, during the 60s, the, 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 riot, you know, the, the, the protests, don't raise your hand. I was going to say, how many of you were in those poor protests? It doesn't matter. We'll move right along. But in those protests, that was a form of lawlessness. But the majority of, of, the, of the nation was still saying, no, you can't act like that. Stop acting like that. There was that pocket of resistance, that pocket of, of insubordination, that pocket of rebellion. Now, you can, you can say they had good intentions. I don't care. That's that, you know, our nation was born out of rebellion. Somebody, I saw a meme from a friend of mine in England says, Happy Rebellion Day on the 4th of July. Rebellion is rebellion. But all the way along, there's always been something that has held back that lawlessness at a governmental level, at a national level, at a, at a state level. We're getting to the point, folks, where lawlessness is becoming the norm. That's the part that concerns me. The idea that we don't, that, that people don't have to follow the rules, that lawlessness, it says lawlessness will increase. And that's not even my concerning part. I mean, I'm concerned about the lawlessness. The next part is the part that concerns me. It says that as lawlessness increases, the love of many will grow cold. That's the part we have to deal with today. That's the part that we cannot make room for. That's the decision you get to make. You don't get to decide whether there's wars and rumors of wars. We can't pray that away. Does that make sense? Do, do, do you hear what I'm saying? We can't pray that the end won't come because it's coming. We can't pray that tribulation won't happen because it'll happen. We can't pray that nation will ri won't rise against nation or that, that, that wars and rumors of wars. We can't pray that that will stop. It's not possible. We're moving towards the end. And as we move towards the end, we're coming to the end. It's going to do exactly what he said it's going to do. The difference is, the thing that we can do something about is that part that says, because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I don't know about you. And if you don't do this, I, I suggest that you, you become more aware of this. 
but I'm always checking myself. I'm always checking. I'm always, not in a, oh, what's wrong with me? way. But I'm always just listening, going, what am I, how am I acting? What, what is my, what is my reaction to the world? What is my reaction to people? What is my reaction to the lost? What is my, am I being upright, forthright, and am I being who God's called me to be? Because if I'm not, I need to change that. I need to live differently. And I'm always checking myself. I'm always asking the hard question of myself. Am I responding in the right way? Am I making every use of every opportunity that's put before me? And one of the things that I've caught myself lately doing, and the Holy Spirit caught me on it, and, sh- and I read that verse and I went, oh my goodness. I realized I was starting to get a little hardened to the plight of the world. I realized that, I mean, it, it can get to the point where you see uh, evil upon evil, evil upon evil, levels of evil through, throughout society and into government and in, into the world, and you start seeing that evil, and then you kind of go, you know what, good luck. Good riddance. You did it to yourself. Deal with it. And the Holy Spirit said, be careful that your love does not become cold. That scared me. That, that, that put me back on my feet, on my heels. Make sure that your love does not become cold. It says that because of the increase of lawlessness, many will grow cold. But the one who endures, verse 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel cannot be preached to the whole world unless Christians preach it, unless Christians go, unless Christians do what we're supposed to do. But if our heart becomes hardened, in any level, in any area, that will stop. It will stop. So what are we supposed to be careful of? What what love, what area of love are we supposed to be mindful of? Well, obviously the first one is the love of God. That's where it starts. It begins with our love towards God. 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 Turn with me to Revelation. Told you it was an end time sermon. You gotta go to Revelation when you're talking about end time stuff. Revelation chapter two. Revelation two, beginning with verse one. It's where this first part is where John is be- is starting to see the revelation, and he's the the angel, which was Jesus, was talking to him, and he was he was giving messages to the seven churches. Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven gold lampstands, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake. You have not grown weary, but I have this against you. Wait a second here. Wait a second. 
I know how hard you're working. I know how hard you're being diligent. I know that you're doing everything I've told you to do. I know you're moving forward. I know that you're not letting the evil, you know, come into the church. I know you're being diligent. I know that you're, you're, you're focused and you're doing everything. That ought to get an attaboy. Good job. But he goes, wait a second. This I have against you. What does he have against them? Verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You can do all the right things. You can go to church on Sunday. You can give. You can work at the, at the, the booth. The, 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 the uh, fair booth, you can work at the, the road race, and anybody who has five people who would like to work at the road race. You can serve, you can work in the children's ministry, you can play on the worship team, you can do, you could be in the sound booth because those guys never get any recognition whatsoever. You can do all the right stuff. You can be diligent. You can carry your Bible. You can, you can smile. You can sing and your hands are up and you can do all the things. You can go through all of the motions and be doing it right and miss it. And why? How did they miss it? It's because their love, the first love that they had, grew cold. You can go through all of the motions, by golly. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But you can do it without love. And our our first inclination is that that love he's talking about is a love for Jesus. Our first love towards him, and and it has to, that is right. That's number one. That's, that's where it starts. Because if you don't, if, if you don't, if we don't have that love, Correctly, all the other love doesn't line up. So it has to be that first love for him. And he goes on to say, later in these verses, he goes on to say, if you're not, if your first love is not red hot, then go back to the things you did at first. And I often think about what I what what my life was like at first. When I stepped back and I said, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I repent, I'm back, I'm here. I'm yours. From this day forward, I'm in. And I remember what my life was like. Time-wise, commitment-wise, it isn't much different. But there was a fervor. There was something different. And I think maybe for me it was, you know, the verse that talks about, you know, that, that he who has been forgiven much loves much. But there was a fervor in me that has definitely lessened. And if it's happened in me, and I'll be the first one to admit it. Why? Because if I'm going to be any kind of a leader, I need to go first. If I need to, in any way, be honest with you, the answer is, that first love is not, as, is not what it was. And that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We can't, that isn't, he's not going to gauge you by what you do. Well, what about the sheep and the goats, Pastor John? Yeah, I get that whole thing. Just we're living it, okay? You're doing it, and if you're not doing it, do it, okay? That's I mean, that's the the stuff is that is about that. If you're not doing it, do it. The thing that you can't really gauge in a person's life is what's going on in here, and what's going on in here, and that's every that every time Jesus came right down to it, it wasn't about what they were doing. The religious leaders were doing the stuff. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were, uh, they were impeccable on the outside. He said, the problem is on the inside, you're a whitewashed tomb full of a dead man's bones. Our love for God 
must in this summer of preparation. This is one of the things we have to that that God is dealing with us on. And I can't give you the steps for firing it back up, folks. All I can say is you have to make a decision in your heart to turn towards Him and then listen. Listen and follow His leading. Follow His direction. For every person it's going to be different. It is absolutely imperative that from this day forward we understand that when we're talking about about modifying and growing and, and, and increasing, it's not about following a bunch of rules. Do I need I don't I, I feel like I should always put that disclaimer out there that it's all about a hairstyle or a clothing stuff. It's not about those things. It's not about how many times you come to church. Because sometimes you gotta go you gotta go camping. You just do. Or golfing. Sorry, guys. I know there. I heard. I heard that in the spirit. What about golfing? Yes. But it's not about the rules. It's about our heart and going. That's it, God. I am in. I am in. But that's not the only place where our heart can grow cold. That's where it starts. That's where it begins. That's the that's the 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 that's where it gets fired up or doesn't get fired. It, it happens there, but where it starts to show itself outward, the first level is usually your family. Oh, but I love my family. No, <laughs> you know how to play the game. Okay, after thirty years of marriage, you know what not to say. You know what button, but which button gets you put out of the you know. In the end of the doghouse, you know which one won't get you supper. So you don't push that button anymore, mostly. You learn some things over the years. You get a little bit wiser. But is the passion, I mean, I don't mean the, the physical sexual passion, although that's wonderful too. I'm talking about the passion of your heart for your spouse. Is that there? But then it translates even further than that. What about for the law? What about for the church? Let's go to the church first. What about the church? Is there is there some people in the church you just love? I love John. I just love John. John, I just love you. I love you, man. I know. Right there. Over there. Sorry. Right there. Time Lord. Two hearts. Sorry. For the geeks. For the geeks. <laughs> yes. I love you, John. Well, <laughs> now see, I would have gone straight back to Chris, but I, I don't. I don't know you well enough to know that I. I don't want you to cry. I don't want you to cry. I know he's not going to cry, and I know. I know he knows that I, I love you, man. You know I do. But then there's, you know. There's my favorites, you know. There's. A, Hey, there's George. That's who I was looking for. There's George. <laughs> but is the love for the church just at that same fevered pitch as the love for the Lord? Is it? Is the love for His people at the same boiling point? as it is for Him. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. If someone gets excluded from that for one reason or another, there's a problem. And it's not my problem. It ultimately is my problem. It's ultimately all of our problems. But it's something you need to deal with. However the Lord tells you to deal with it, it may be in your heart. You just need to do, you just may do, need to make that adjustment in your heart, or it may need to be public. Oh my gosh! But you need to deal with it. And then, what about your passion for the world? Read, listening to that, the, the worship songs this morning, talking about what Jesus did on the cross—a world who was standing there mocking him reviling Him, hating Him, betraying Him. 
And in the midst of it, he dies anyway. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have stopped it in a second. Yet his love, his compassion for the world, for the very people who hated him, was red hot. We can't go any further. We can talk all the talk we want. We can talk all the outreach. We can talk all the revival. We can, we can whoop it up all we want. But if our love is cold, we're wasting our time. If my love is cold, I'm wasting your time. I'm sorry. So what do we do? It begins with a conversation you have with the Holy Spirit. Father, where am I at? Show me where I'm at. Open the eyes of my understanding. Father, I love you. But do I, do, I, do I love you in the way that you deserve? And Father, I love my family, but do I love my family the way you love them? Because everything gets gauged off of how he loves. It's not about how much more you love tomorrow than you do today. It's about how much he loves. So Lord, do I love my wife the way you love her? My children, my extended family. Lord, do I love the church the way you love them? Lord, do, do I love the world, those that are around me, the people that you've put in my life for me to influence, the way you love them? That's the question. Father, we come before you today. We thank you that you're opening our eyes. You're helping us to prepare and to be ready for the next steps that we take. That the light that will shine will be true light. Will be as bright as you are. Not diminished by our flesh. Thank you, Father. We're right on time. We're right on time. You've, 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 you're leading us and guiding us step by step, and we're right where we're supposed to be. We're not, we're not lagging. We're not so far behind. It's not worth it. We're right on time, every one of us. Help us today, Father. Help us today. Help us this week. Help us to walk in the direction and the way that you want us to do it. Thank you, Father, for life. Thank you for safety. Thank you for, for wisdom and understanding for every single one of us this week as we walk with you first and then walk with those around us second. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.